Hey everybody, welcome to the last episode, episode 6 of Authentic You, Living Out the Masterpiece Life. Today's episode and the final episode is with my dad, Reverend Chris Ball, and we go in deep about the father's love for his children, uh, about my dad's love for me, but also about God's love for his children, and that God is not at the finish line waiting for you, but he is with you through the hard moments of life. So please enjoy this episode with my dad, Reverend Chris Ball. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Authentic You, Living Out the Masterpiece Life podcast. Uh, on today's episode, I have a real special guest. It is my dad, my father, uh, Pastor Chris Ball, President of Elam Fellowship in Lima, New York. And uh, dad, just welcome um, to the podcast. Uh, it's such an honor that you are on here and you're a huge aspect in the book authentic you and i just want uh, you to introduce yourself tell everybody who you are hey i'm josiah's dad it's kind of funny for years and years and years people used to say uh, to josiah are you chris ball's son but more often now we have uh you know <laughs> our three children are are uh people come to me and say hey are you josiah ball's dad or are you elijah ball's dad or sarah wright's dad and so mm -hmm. uh it's so exciting to know that uh, the lord has allowed me to be uh blessed by our children and i can see the legacy of god at work in our lives and it just i'm so proud of all three of my children i am particularly proud about this project that josiah has done in writing a book. I mean, all my life, I've wanted to write a book and my son beat me to it. He <laughs> constantly tells me, uh, you, you constantly tell me, Josiah, uh, that you want me to write a book and that you, you would help me write it. Right. But every time I think about writing it, it seems like, uh, well, so many people have already written that. So I got to think of something new to write. <laughs> nah, it's always, you, the thing about writing books is like, it's always going to reach somebody that another book can't. So that's what I that's always cool. say, but everybody should write a book if they have one in it so that's why i always encourage you to but um, great. so dad you wrote the ford in my book and uh the reason i asked you to write the ford originally is because uh kind of the topic we're talking about today is the 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 love of god for his children in their pain and in their suffering and um and what that looks like and so just because this whole book is about you know, the father's, how the father views us here and now on earth is not pathetic, um, worthless people, but his masterpiece, his, um, you know, he says we have a divine nature. He, he says uh, all these great things about us, but for some reason we look in, we look at ourselves through a lens of how the world views us. And, um, when reality God's saying, I want you to see me as, or see yourself as I see you. And, mm. um, and I think that having you write the forward of it was a real, um, voice to that, uh, that topic of just the father and the son or the father and the daughter, uh, relationship to that. And, uh, so when you were writing the forward originally, what was like, what is your thoughts behind, um, behind it when you, after reading the book, you're one of the first people you and mom were one of the first people to read the book, obviously, because um, I sent it to you guys first, but um, yeah. after you read it and then you were like, hey, I'm writing this forward, what, what was going through your mind with that before we get into the real discussion? 
Well, the, 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 you didn't know this and probably didn't know it until I say it right now, but one of my uh, scriptures that really changed my life was the scripture I actually put in the forward, which is Second uh, Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. And the essence of that passage is the Apostle Paul is, is introducing us to the whole concept of mm. uh, of the, if you will, the nakedness that God wanted Adam and Eve to experience. Uh, he wanted that kind of nakedness, that sense of no blockage between us and our Heavenly Father. And uh, so, so it talks about an open face, which means the veil has been torn. It's wow. it, the, the veil has been lifted. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, while the veil has been lifted by Jesus at the cross, we still wear a veil because they fact they even said uh, it's in the context where Moses is up on the mountain and he comes back and, uh, and Paul is reporting back about that incident. And yeah. he says, Moses himself put a veil, veil on. over. Yeah. Yeah. So that people wouldn't see the glory. But I also think it was for, for, for uh, the fact that maybe the glory started to fade. And they didn't, you know, who knows, maybe Moses put it over his face because the glory had begun to fade. Right. I think today, in all sorts of ways, we continue to wear veils to impress the world. And yeah. the very, what's this, and the very veil that we put on ourselves to impress the world is the very veil that keeps us from seeing the way God wants us to see us and see God the way he wants us to see him. That's so uh, that, that, that's why I, I chose that scripture because your book is about authentic you and right. the real, the real, I think your heart, I mean, you can tell me, but I think your heart behind that from the way I understood how you wrote the book was to see yourself as God sees you. That's yes. the real authentic you. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I wrote that in the forward. And, uh, and uh, you know what? I used to I used to wear a veil of trying to be funny. Now God doesn't mind me being humorous, but if my funny and my humorous is a veil to make and impress people about myself, then my motive is out of order. Uh, my motive always ought to be trying to glorify God, and so yeah. I have to remove that veil, look at God with an open face, as in a mirror, and see Him as He intended me to see Him. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. That's really the essence of the book is, you know, um, that we are, you know, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we look at ourselves in their daily lives, how we, our personas of ourselves are, are how we live this life. A lot of majority of the time is, is how other people are going to react to us. How I'm going to do my boss, my, my job is, is how, I'm going to impress my boss, how I'm going to uh, cook dinner is how I'm going to impress my wife or how I'm going to uh, whatever it is. We're always trying to do something to better ourselves here. And now when we are totally become uh, blinded to what, how God sees us, but a lot of times we can identify with our hurt and our pain and, and, that can even become a veil over our eyes to see God. It's like what the questions of like, where is God in this pain or even why do good things or why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, if God is truly sovereign, why doesn't he intervene when things um, are about to happen? If God is really uh, that all, all powerful, all knowing, why doesn't he come intervene for the people that love him 
most. And um, I think there's a lot of mystery in that question and that we need to be comfortable with the mystery. But I also um, think that if we believe that God is doing these things to us because we are his children, that's a real twisted view of God as well. So what, what would you say to that? Well, I agree with several things that you said there. I mean, uh, first of all, I, I think the fact that you said mystery, I'm not really sure if you meant what you meant uh, that I'm interpreted as, but uh, there is a mystery in God. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I think you said it on an earlier podcast that I was listening to that, um, you know, if if God is only as big as our understanding, then he's not very big. Right. And so there's that sense of mystery, but also the mystery of not not really knowing everything. I don't think we'll ever come to the place on this side of eternity. I don't know if we will absolutely know every single thing. So we are left in in mystery or in the dark anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I do believe God, by the way, uh, it intends to reveal all things to us. I don't know if it'll matter when we see him face to face. But the things that we guess about now or the things that we argue about or things that we challenge one another about. But at the end of the day, I agree with you that there is a mystery. And uh, so uh, certainly there's a mystery in it. Uh, As far as uh, as, you know, why why do things happen to us in the context of who God is doing it? There's all kinds of things there. I don't know what you might have in mind for me to to go down uh, and talk to you about, but the. I certainly agree with you about the mystical part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's different levels. You know, you know I think there's levels of you go to, you know, a grocery store on a busy day, you're praying to God, you know, open up a parking spot to me. And I think God cares about those prayers. Right. But at the same time, like it's a busy parking lot on a Saturday afternoon. Are you going to get a parking spot because your prayer is like, is that a bad thing happening to you because, and you have to park far away because there's nothing's yeah. opening up and God's letting that happen. So you can learn patience, you know, we can, we could write in every little bit, you know, understanding for our hurt and pain um, and why God in a sense is doing that um, is doing it to us. Um, but I don't know if I fully believe God is making things happen negative in our lives or, or um, pain, you know, like cancer, like I I don't think God gives cancer to people. I think cancer is a thing that happens and either God lets it happen and doesn't heal, but he always, I feel like he always uses it in the long run um, to, to bring glory to himself. You know, if people are healed or not. Right. Right. I think, too, um, when you start talking about bad things happening to us, I don't think third world countries worry about parking places. I think it's it's interesting that we we, we, we measure our bad things happening to us on all kinds of things, whether somebody rejects us on Facebook or doesn't agree with us. And so uh, I I think first the first thing I would say is uh, if we're going to get real authentic, if we're going to have a real understanding of where God's at, I think if we're at all thinking that God is doing anything, I think we better check out at what level 
is what what really is a bad thing. Right. That's <laughs> what I was saying. Yeah. yeah I know different you were. levels of that. <laughs> I mean, everybody's praying for their football team to win or their soccer team to win. And right now, as we're recording this, uh, the World Cup's going. I'm sure everybody in every country has people who are asking God for favor. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's a good point way to point at it. It's, let's say my team, lean, lean, uh, somebody's got to win. Somebody's yeah. got to lose, especially if it's a, a, a duel. I mean, I guess in soccer uh, or football, uh, you know, British football, you do have the draw. But uh, at the end of the day, um, I think, you know, we have to realize that there is a free will that's existed from the beginning, from the very, very beginning of uh, Adam and Eve. Yeah. That, free, that free will allowed the same couple to choose to love God or to disobey God. And, yeah. uh, and so the minute they started disobeying, there was a consequence of their own doing because of their free will choice. And yeah. so did God do that? Of course, this is the way he did it in his sovereignty. He allowed them to choose and, uh, and people choose all the time to reject God. And, uh, and in that rejection, God never once rejected them. Nothing separates you from his love, but we tend to move away. That's that veil again. It's that mindset of moving away from God's best. And the first thing, uh, first person we want to blame is God. And, and sometimes we forget that it's not God. It's not the devil. It's ourselves. Yeah. Uh, We just, we just are living in the context of, uh, making decisions in that free will, whether that decision is to disobey God by um, partaking of a fruit and the tree of life mm-hmm. or death, whichever one we want to choose in the disobedient act, if you will, uh, to to reject God's command not to touch the tree, uh, then obviously there's going to be a consequence of that. Uh, but that also happens in small things in marriages. Like I've been married to your mom for 35 years. I better say it correctly. 35 years <laughs> at this time. And uh, how many times have I heard that still small voice where I heard God say, don't say that or don't do that. Yeah. And guess what? It ended up in intense fellowship in our home <laughs> because of my, I can't blame God for that. I can't right. even begin to blame God. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's an element where people either, they either blame God, they blame the devil. You know, if if somebody is driving down the road and they get a flat tire on their way to work and they don't know God, they don't, they don't go to church. They don't have those, that relationship with God. It's like, Oh, you know, dang, I just got another, I just got a flat tire and you have to, it's a, it's a, you know, a bump in the road or whatever that they got the flat tire and they just, they're like, you know, they blame themselves, they hit their head and then they get it fixed that night. They get saved. They come to know God. And then, and then the next day they take the same road, they hit it. And all of a sudden like, Oh, the, I just came to know God, the devil's out to get me or or what's God trying to teach me in this. And it's like, well, maybe you're just should take a different road or take a different path. You know, it's not necessarily God doing something to you or, or Satan doing something to you. I know uh, Bill Johnson has a quote that said, if, if 
God got reported for all the things they blamed him for, uh, CPS would be called on him automatically. That's, right. That's good. Know? That's good. Yeah, I think uh, I think you make a real good point there. I think one of the things that we can start with uh, is when it comes to, you know, um, deciding whether or not it's a decision that we, uh, let's say, out of free will, um, have moved in disobedience is to really know the word of the Lord. Yeah, uh, we need we need to know scripture because uh, I don't really think, honestly, God is really uh, in heaven thinking everything that we say is bad is bad. I right. think we have to line up what really is bad in our decision with with, with scripture, with with the Bible, and uh, and then again, not only that, then the, the 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 voice of the Holy Spirit that confirms scripture in an accurate way for today. So, in other words, we. You know, thou shalt not lie is is a is a is a foundational scripture that once you start lying, you're potentially moving towards something bad might happen because yeah. of a lie. But then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, Okay, Chris, I I I know that uh, you understand the scripture, but right now you're moving towards that violation by mm. just a white lie or a, you know this kind of thing and 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 again in that moment is when i think we have to be very very keen to listen to the spirit of the lord now mm-hmm. the beautiful part about it is the loving father that we have came while we were yet sinners yeah <laughs> and so if if you're leaning into the bad things that happen because of our disobedience again we seem to be on that track right now but uh uh, you know, but we're not, we haven't addressed other issues that have nothing to do with our disobedience. But but at least in the context of disobedience, let's not blame it on God. Let's go back to where we were disobedient and recognize that the God who is aware of our disobedience is not disappointed in us. This, to be disappointed, you have to be surprised about what happened. He yeah. knew it was going to happen. But here's, here's what his first response is going to always be. Okay, walk towards me, move in the grace that I have available to you, and now experience forgiveness as you repent towards that disobedience. Yeah, yeah I think coming forward with with um, and repenting and you know turning away from what you uh, either habitually doing or done once or or whatever it is is a sign of uh you know the grace of god in your life and his availability to be there and present in in those moments and um and it's the freedom that we do have and as as his children i think god's like when we when we act in disobedience it's it's acting outside of what he calls us to be mm-hmm. his sons and yeah. daughters outside of that masterpiece life outside of the divine nature that we have. Um, like I I talk about in the book and and James, he says, you know, it's like you looking at a mirror and you turn away and you forget your divine nature. Um, when, because like you can come to a Sunday service be like, pour it all out on, on the altar. You get, you know, slain in the spirit, whatever it is. And then you walk out those doors and you just go and do the same thing. It's like, it's like, you know who you are in the moments in the presence of God. And then you walk away and you forget like, Oh wait, Mm -hmm. no. Why am I acting outside of my actual identity? Why am I acting? And and it is that world we live in that fallen world. That's, that's in in the process of uh, sanctification and coming to the understanding of who we fully 
are. And leading up to even to um, the chapter where, you know, most of the book is, you know, hey, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. And then we get the chapter eight, which I originally was going to call the ugly truth. Um, and the reason I was going to call it the ugly truth is because, okay, all this stuff that we said is really happy. And then, but here's the ugly truth, you know, stuff happens in life, crap happens, you know, people yeah. get hurt. Um, emotions are, are burned, you know, bridges are burned and, and people are hurt, but it's like, why the question is, why does this pain happen when we come to know God, when we come to understanding, are we are maturing to the understanding of knowing who we are? Why does this all happen? And I think the, the verse I love that I've used in my book was blessed are the broken, blessed are the hurting, blessed are the brokenhearted. Um, and that's been taken two ways. One way is, Oh, you're going to be blessed. So God's going to let you be brokenhearted. God's going to let you be broken. So you're going to be blessed. The camp I kind of not kind of the camp I'm in is no, I'm blessed in those moments because that's when I feel God the most. That's mm-hmm. when the God is near. That's when God's with us. And I ended up titling the chapter. God is not at the finish line where mm-hmm. we're not striving to get to God, but he's actually in the moments with us. He's in the pain with us, mm-hmm. walking mm-hmm. with us and, and through mm-hmm. it to the finish line. He's not something we have to achieve. He's mm-hmm. walking with us toward the finish line. Amen. I think, uh, you know, I, you know, I really appreciate your vulnerability, which by the way, um, I think transparency and vulnerability is a part of that living in the mirror. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and, and I've really appreciated it. And I know you took a risk in being vulnerable with your life because you were trying to be very careful not to condemn anybody else, but at the same time, be able to say, this is, this is what I'm facing. And, and I've, I walked with you, but um, I think you did a beautiful job of the illustration of the track that the, the guy was running track and then he, he fell and how his father stepped into the race, not at yeah. the fishing, finish line. And that was a, that was like the illustration you gave about that story to basically convey that God is in the journey with you. He's not just at the finish line. And, uh, and I, like I said, I, I really think, uh, you know, there was a part of me that as I was reading a book, I was kind of thinking, you know, uh, I was kind of thinking, oh, man, what will people think about this phrase or this sentence or this word that he used or all this. But I really, really want to commend you for staying and keeping to your guns to be real and to be honest, because I think that is where it's when you're real and when you're honest, the father it, it almost that that honesty and rea, rea, re, you know reality facing reality opens the door for the father to come and pick you up mm-hmm. and i think i think that scripture where it says a broken and contrite heart the lord will not despise i think that verse is what's happening in other words if you yeah. if you move away from the brokenness that comes in the midst of difficulty in the midst of trials in the midst of um you know um 
that just that question that happens, why did I get in that car accident? I've always been a safe driver or why did I get in, you know, why did, why did God allow that individual to use their cell phone and cause that accident to hurt me or whatever? Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you're saying to yourself, God is bigger than that. Why didn't he stop that? And that's the, you started out in this, the mystery, right? But right. here's the thing. Here's the thing I thought you were challenging more than anything. No matter where we find ourselves in a story like that, we must come back to saying God was not turning around. He was not, he was not closed eyes to this. He was right there. Do we know and understand why he didn't put his hand in front of that car and stop it from hitting you or why he didn't stop that heart attack or why he didn't stop uh, you know, that physical ailment you're facing. I don't know the answer. This much I do know. I know this, that my love did not change one second anytime you have experienced any tragedy as my, as my son. I've watched you go through rejection that you brought up in your book. I've watched you go through um, uh, abuse to some degree, not necessarily physical abuse, but emotional abuse at some mm -hmm. points. I've seen that happen. I've seen you go through other things. Never once in any of that journey when you came to me, even when you may have made decisions yourself that would put you in target for some of the pain that you experienced, never once did I ever stop. And here's why. I'm going to tell you why right now. Because I saw your heart, man. Mm -hmm. I saw your heart. I saw you, me, and, you know, on the outside, sometimes acting like you had to get, but inside of you, I always knew your heart, your heart. God touched your heart when you were a little guy and all those years he's been massaging that heart and you care, you know, and so that tender heart, even though you were frustrated, even though you were crying out to God and asking for questions, I knew that you had a heart after God, a broken and contrite heart, smashed heart, broken heart, hurt heart, injured heart, getting real before God, he will not turn his back on it. That's what I saw. Wow. Wow. Love that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, to end this episode and uh, I wanted to ask you, cause I've never really asked you, um, when you wrote that letter um, on the other side, this is kind of the end of the, the book of, you know, when I talk about the letter, I put it in there, talk about writing a letter to God of an anger and pain. And um, when you saw that letter, what was your th first like thought? And I mean, I can guess, but like, why, what, caused you to be like hey i'm gonna write something else you know write write this i don't i don't even remember the moment honestly it's just i remember that being on my bed and seeing the the other side of it and it was like a response to my letter to god um and what what was your initial like reaction to what i wrote and then uh after that uh you know, so just in context, if you haven't read the book, I encourage you to get my book. Link is in the bio. Um, but in the end of the chapter eight, God is not at the finish line. I talk about uh, my divorce I had and the pain I was going through in that time and how I went 
and lived with my parents during that time and uh, dealt with, uh, you know, sleepless nights, um, doing the grind, and then ended up my friend telling me, hey, you should write an angry letter to God and just being like, tell him everything you're feeling in the moment. Um, and I did that and it was just one page, let it out kind of like a lament that, um, uh, David would do in the Psalms to God when he was hurting and broken in the end, it always turned into worship. And, uh, that's, that's what I did, you know, but I I wrote it very, uh, as you read, it was very vocal, uh, very honest, very blunt, um, letter. And then I just left it there. And the next day, I came into my bedroom and on my pillow was the letter, but it was the other side of it. My dad had written a response to it. Um, and so that's the context of this, but what, for you, what was that like for you writing that as my dad? Well, as you know, as you said in the book, actually, I was downstairs working on my, uh, uh, my rehab from my heart attack. I had recently had a stent put in. And uh, so I was exercising with hopes to get stronger and all that. And uh, that that day I saw the letter and I, uh, I think I was done with my exercise when I finished and uh, and uh, saw the letter, read the letter. And it, it was very real. It was it was very angry. It was very frustrated. It was very hurting. You were expressing your pain, deep pain. And uh, to be honest with you, my first first reaction was oh my God, please keep my keep my son, uh, keep him. Uh, I knew your heart that I just talked about earlier, but I also knew that you can get to the place where your pain is so large that that you're not thinking straight. You're not necessarily, um, you know, you're, you're, you're depressed. You're depressed. You're moving at a level that really could hurt you. Mm-hmm. And so my first response was, oh God, protect my son. Oh God, mm-hmm. just don't let him use his wisdom right now. Let this be, let this be a tool that he used to write all his anger so that he could live through this day as it was one more day coming out of the pain you were experiencing. Then I don't know what, to be honest with you, I don't know what um, came of me. But when I, when I started writing, I didn't write it as if I were God. I wrote it as if I was your dad, because I am your dad. Yeah. And I just, and I just read, I, I, I read it again, as you were just talking as, uh, you know, I, of course I, I read to prepare for this tea, this talk here, but, but as I, as I was re- reading it, I was, uh, I was basically saying as a dad, Hey, guess what? I do- me, Chris, your dad, love you mm. more than your pain. I want, well, you know, right now you're hurting, but the kind of love I have for you right now, I want you to know I love you more than your pain. And then I started to speak words of life into you. Yeah. And I, I and I wrote in this world you will have tribulation but I've overcome this world. And I wrote you're more than a conqueror Josiah is what I was saying. And I was mm-hmm. just speaking life to you. Then I came back and I just wanted you to un- under- say this. I understand your pain. And and of course, you and I know why I understand your pain, because when I was 18 years old, I experienced the same kind of experience you had. I chose to get married. I really believe that I got married without the full, wonderful, awesome uh, blessing 
of God. I think I was moving out of an injurious relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And I understand that rejection. So I really meant Chris Paul, me, your dad mm-hmm. understands exactly what you're feeling. And then um, I said, just let you know, you can, you can get through this, push through, look beyond this, look to victory, so forth and so on. Now, I had no idea that you were going to read that as if it was God speaking to you. Yeah. And I had no, that wasn't my intention at the moment. Now, I, and the other thing I wanted to point out that you probably don't know is I I put it on your bedroom because I you you mentioned in the book that you would sleep on your couch, our couch you were you didn't feel good about sleeping on your bed, right? But the reason but the reason I put it in your bedroom, and that bedroom is right behind me. The door that's open right behind me. If you were videoing this, you could see it and watching this. And that the reason I put it there is I didn't want your mother to see it. Mm. See see, God was not just thinking about bringing care to you. Yeah. But he was thinking about bringing care to the people around you. Wow. That your pain could impact as well. And I knew if your mother saw that letter, she would break. She would hurt. Now, yeah. she's strong. She's loving like me. And she cares about you. And I'm sure she may have written a similar letter. But this was the day I got to write it. But again, yeah. I really I really want you to know the reason I put it on the bedroom. <laughs> is I, did, I, didn't, I didn't want mom to see it. Right. I didn't want to, I wanted to see your letter. And uh, I didn't even know. And you, you and I, I don't know if this audience would know this. We never talked about it until no. you wrote it in your book. No, we, we never talked about it. You never came back and said, hey, dad, thanks for that letter. No. You never did any. And it wasn't until you wrote this book. And then you preached a sermon one day in the church that you were a part of. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know if you know this, Josiah. Uh, the first time I heard that sermon was the, the day I found out about the letter. I didn't find out about it from you writing a book. I found out about <laughs> it from that from that sermon. Wow. And I'm 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 at a hotel, and I'm speaking at some church, and I think I was in Maryland or something. And I'm running on the treadmill, listening to that sermon, bawling my eyes out <laughs> because I heard you tell me that the things that I did for you was just as if God spoke to you. Yeah. So there's so much that came from that, and and I just. I just was so blessed that God used me that day to touch your life. And I'm grateful that we can stand here together today and talk about it and see that, hey, we have a God in heaven Mm -hmm. that's already at work in our lives. But he's more than just at work in our lives. He's at work with the impact of lives around us as well. And that even when he comes to us and he touches us, and, and lets us know how much he loves us in the journey of the trial. He's not just talking about how to fix us. He's actually at work to do more than we can imagine or think. And wow. so I'm excited that uh, God's done great things since that letter was written in your life. And I'm so thankful that uh, now it's in your book and people get to read it. And he's touching people now because of that work. And so God is continually, continually over and over and over again, blessing people. Now watch this. I'll tell you what would have happened if you did not respond well to this tragedy. If you would not respond well to this pain, you would have never read this book. Right. You would have never. See, see. so people today need to be as confident of responding to their pain, responding to, quote, the bad things that happened to them. They need to be responsible back to God to receive his love in that journey so that they not only 
don't miss what God's doing in their life, but so they open the door for God to do more in others' lives. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. I love you, son. Love you too. You're, I'm really proud of you and I believe in you. And uh, you know what? You're going to get to do this to your own children one day. You're going to get to be a father one day to your own kids. And you're going to get to have the opportunity to know what it's like. I don't think you know until you become a parent what it's like. And there's aspects of God's parenting us that just come more alive. And uh, every parent out there that's listening right now understands what I'm talking about. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. Thank you so much for being yeah. on here. It was great. Yeah, it's a real joy. It's a real privilege. I pray that this book uh, that you've written, I know that uh, you've had several people on this podcast, uh, including mom and others that you've got uh, as you've done this book review. I'm here to say, I hope people pick this book up and uh, I hope it blesses people. And I, I, I believe God's going to use this book just to launch freedom and uh and allow people to understand what really it means to be authentic well there you have it guys that's the end of authentic you living out the masterpiece life podcast uh, i may release a bonus episode in a couple months with this uh just to keep it going but I hope you enjoyed it, guys. City six episodes, one season shot that goes along with my book of the same title, Authentic You, Living Out the Masterpiece Life. Uh, incredible speakers that we had on here, just wisdom and life-giving. And I hope you, I really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, share this podcast with somebody and share my book with somebody. You can buy my book now on Amazon.com, Authentic You, Living Out the Masterpiece Life. And it goes along with this perfectly so if you want to get together a small group listen to these episodes weekly go through the book answer the questions at the end of each chapter i know it's going to bless you and your small group so but now i have something special for you it is a quick trailer for my other podcast your authentic life season two Hey there, friends. I'm so glad. This is the trailer for season two of Your Authentic Life. We had an incredible first season. I know you enjoyed it. Uh, the feedback has been incredible, and this season is only going to get better. We have incredible speakers lined up for you, um, some bonus episodes coming, and I know you're just going to enjoy this season. So we are starting this season on January 13th. That is a Friday, and like before, they will be coming out weekly on Fridays with tons of guest speakers, and it's going to be incredible. Uh, so again, First up, I'm, I'm going to give you a quick hint on who's going to be the first episode and the topic because it's just you're going to love it. So first topic and episode that we are going to be discussing on January 13th is 
uh, it's going to be with interview. I'm interviewing my mother. Um, if you listen to Authentic You, you heard her on there uh, talking about you know identity and stuff. But in this episode on August 13th, we're kicking it off with a strong topic about women empowerment in the Bible, women in ministry, and their role in the church, and what they can and quote cannot do so uh we're slaying some sacred cows here so go and listen to that january 13th we'll see you then